0: Hey there, it's Scary Parish. It's Friday, October 29th,
1: 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlanda is here with me. And today we are continuing our run through previews of what are typically the seven best conferences in college basketball. We've already done the American the ACC, the Big East, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Pac-12, so the final league that must be discussed is the SEC, which is another conference that seems completely up for grabs, and here's some evidence to support that claim. In the preseason media poll, it was Kentucky who was voted the favorite in the SEC, but my pick is Arkansas. Deadleg's pick is Alabama, and Kim Palmer and Torbert both have Tennessee as their highest-ranked SEC team, so In the Big East, I think the only sensible pick in the preseason is Villanova. And in the Pac-12, there's really no data to support picking anybody other than UCLA in the preseason. But in the SEC, you can reasonably pick one of four different teams at least. Deadleg, I think I've asked you this before, perhaps about the Big Ten. Forgive me. But is the SEC, on second thought, (laughs) is the SEC the most up-in-the-air power conference in the country? Or do you... Just expect Nick Saban to win it somehow.
0: Oh, I never rule out old Nick for sure. Um, I I think that the Big Ten, I'm going to maintain what I said uh, before about the Big Ten. That's going to be the most compelling best race at the top uh, with the best teams. But if you're looking for the most variety and you just laid out the evidence why that's going to be the case. The SEC is the league for you, and I very much enjoy this because it's really not often, certainly not every season, where you'll have a power conference where you will have four teams with legitimate cases to be the best team in the league. You'll Often you can get three. Two is almost a damn near guarantee in every league that's not the Big East in most seasons and maybe even the Big 12 during Kansas' is heyday. But to have four... We are actually we're in some uh, some rare territory, and I I personally love it. Um, I like Alabama coming off of what was statistically, when you consider how good it was in the regular season, getting the two seed and winning the SEC, uh, arguably the best season in program history, even though they didn't make it through to the Final Four or anything or, or get it to uh, get get on out to the uh, Elite Eight, which it had done previously in program history. I'm gonna go with Bama. Um, but I'll, I'll hold off on my thought on that for a second there. Why, not that you're anti-Bama, because you're not, but what made you say it wouldn't be Bama, wouldn't be Kentucky, and made you pick the way the way you picked in your poll?
1: Some of this is, it, I mean, all of this is tied to the top 25 and one. Yeah. You know, as you know, I started on the night of the championship game, and then I adjust every time it needs adjusting throughout uh, the offseason, and so when I am asked to project the SEC, I just say, okay, let's call up version 27.0 at the top 25-1, and one. and I've got Arkansas 10th in that, Alabama just slightly behind them, Kentucky just slightly behind them. If I'm telling you the truth, though, um, I don't see much difference between these teams. I've got them in a certain order just like you got them in a certain order, just like everybody has them in a certain order, But and I, I guess I'm willing to throw Tennessee in there with them, but I I really don't see much difference in Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, and my rankings suggest as much. They're all really in the same group. Uh, you know, when you break down Alabama, yeah, th- you know they they lost three of their top five scores. Um, that's not great, but the top two are back: Jane Shackelford and Javon Quinterly. Shackelford averaged you know fourteen points, three point eight rebounds, two steals per game last season. Quinterly, you know twelve point nine points, three point two assists, two point two rebounds per game. They bring in. To go with that, a top 15 recruiting class, J.D. Davidson, a five-star point guard, ranked 12th in the class of 2021. He's a projected first-round tip pick, one and done. And then they added, you know, a four-star center um, named Charles Bidiaco, who was ranked 34th in the class of 2021. So that's two really good prospects. Two transfers. Uh, Noah Gurley from Furman, 15.4 points per game last season. He was terrific. The other one. Namari Burnett. And he, of course, suffered a torn ACL in the preseason. He's out for the season. So that's not great. Mm -hmm. But when you start talking about bringing back the top two scores, adding a five star point guard. So you're going to have two primary ball handlers in your backcourt with Quinterly and Davidson and then Noah Gurley from Furman, who's a productive division one player. I like this team and I love the style of play. They really guard you and they launch three pointers, you know, and, and it's all by design. That's not just how they played last season. That's how they're going to play under Nate Oates. It's fun. It's modern and it's effective. And if you told me the Crimson Tide were going to be back-to-back SEC regular season champions and because they did this too, back-to-back SEC tournament champions, you know, in Nate Oates third season, That wouldn't shock me at all. They're good enough to do it, undeniably.
0: reason why I went with Alabama, and the margins are very narrow here, uh, they do bring back 12 players on the roster who were on last season's team. So, um, yes, they lost a couple of important guys. Obviously, NBA – they lost NBA talent on the team. But when you go through the kind of season Bama went through last season, and so many of the guys that were in those practices, on those road trips, (laughs) going through all the COVID protocols together, I think a lot of that – we'll wind up meaning something big. Uh, Quinterly, Shackelford, and Davison are on our top 101 players list. Quinterly came in 14th. Shackelford, 60th. He could make us look a little silly if you told me he was a top 50, top 40 player by the end of the season. I would 100% believe you. And then a little inside behind the scenes, our final four players on the list every single year, are one through 97 are a collective voting. And then each of us get our own pick for a guy you went with JD Davidson at 98 and you obviously you did that as a play uh, given how he was highly he was rated as a prospect and the fact that he obviously projects as an NBA player right GP yeah,
1: of course and I was really just protecting us because like listen they played a exhibition last week uh, or earlier this week maybe the days are all running together he had 19 points in that game like my concern if I didn't put him in that spot was that Alabama is going to win the SEC. He's going to be their best player, and we didn't have him on a list of 101 players. That would seem ridiculous. So I was like, he was the the most obvious freshman who is two things, playing for a team that's supposed to be great and is a projected lottery pick slash first-round pick. I just didn't want to leave him off, so I used my spot. I think it was 98 uh, to, 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 for
0: J.D. Davis, and just because –
1: there's a chance he's going to be their best player. He's certainly their best pro prospect.
0: Well, yeah. Um. And the reason why I'll, the other reason why I have Bama as high as I do is I had a few coaches tell me that, uh, and in fact, Javon Quinterly uh, should make the huge leap if Oats fully lets him off the leash. He'll be the player of the year in the league. I don't know if he's going to be that, but I I th- I think. Javon Quinterly will be the team's best player. Uh, Davison will certainly have his own moments. And Shackelford, by the way, is far from a slouch. Again, these are three of the top 100 players in our estimation in the sport. And I, you mentioned Noah Gurley from Furman. Um... I think he could add some some secret sauce there. So if you're a Bama fan, your football team's always great. Your basketball team for much of the past two decades has just been kind of in and out. Uh, but this year, like last year, I think you're going to be highly relevant. As for your team, GP, Arkansas, they are... You know, I mentioned on the previous Pac-12 podcast, Eli Betker, who did the the research for that ADU study and showed that Dana Altman is by far the most successful play, uh, coach when it comes to using players who have transferred. Musselman's clearly number two in that. And I remember a year ago... I put Arkansas, which was had basically almost turned over its entire roster, I think at like fifty-five in my one to three fifty-seven, which it was a year ago. And I was way off on that Arkansas, as we know, made its first sweet sixteen run uh, in twenty five years and got a three seed and really just was great. So I, I'm I rated Arkansas high personally. What will be interesting is how, you know, another you know, nine new guys here for Musselman. So how's that going to work? He expertly works the portal. I don't doubt him in that regard. I'm just not going to put him first, and I didn't, I didn't put him second, and I didn't put him third. But I just do think they're going to be a top 25 team. Devo Davis, JT Notte returning in the backcourt is obviously big. You got uh, Chris Likes, who's listed at 5'7", Although, uh, as a guy, who, as a guy who claims to be five seven, it might be five six. I, I'm feeling like Chris Likes is not five seven. Would you agree? I could post Chris Likes up okay. all day long.
1: Guess who? And Jalen Duren, good too. Okay.
0: Okay. Well good, well, good on Duren. But getting Likes in there, he is on. He's the only hog, actually. Shouts to Kyle Boonstrong, you He did really push for Devo Davis. It was his highest-ranked player who didn't make our top 101 list. Um, but I also love the fact that Likes and then Connor Vanover who's like 7'3", might have grown to 7'4". You know, they've got a classic, you know, super tall guy, super short guy. I just want to see those two guys on the floor together as much as humanly possible. And the last thing I have here on Arkansas, then take it away if you want and go wherever, I'm really excited for you to watch this team this year. Why would that be? Why are you, why are you excited for me specifically yes. to watch Arkansas? Yes. Oh, I couldn't begin to guess. They're not going to have those wrinkly tarps up anymore. Fans in the stands. <laughs> Africa. You're not going to be. You're not going to be. You know, your your OCD tendencies are not going to be annoyed when you watch the hogs on TV when they pull up from the snout, maybe right before the half, because there's no tarp situation.
1: Oh, thank God! I was th- I actually thought about this the other day because I was watching um, in advance of our Pac-12 podcast. I was watching uh, Tabellus uh, yeah. highlights. <laughs> you know, I was I just I was getting into it, man, and uh, I, I, re- I was reminded of how awesome
0: Arizona's tarps were. they had great tarps and arkansas tarps they left something to be desired yeah the inverse situation arkansas really good team just horrendous tarps arizona um just nearly spotless tarp situation last season team wise eh, take it or leave it postseason ban but you've got the you've got the hogs one
1: yeah um it's just to circle back to a point i made earlier i you you know when you're ranking teams in a league you got to put somebody one somebody two somebody three Obviously,
0: people don't realize that. People, this is something people
1: don't realize. You got to have 68 teams in the tournament. Um, but but here's how close they are in the top 25 and one Arkansas's 10, Alabama's 12, Kentucky's 14. Mm-hmm. They're all right there. And so I went with Arkansas one, just like you know, Alabama lost three of its top five scores, Arkansas lost four of its top six. That's from an elite eight team. Um, and one of those losses, obviously, a big one, the lottery pick Moses Moody might have heard high school teammate. Of Caleb Houston and Kate Cunningham. Who the hell doesn't know that? Who doesn't know that? And Scotty Barnes. So, uh, as you mentioned, JT Note back, uh, JD Note back, Devontae Davis back. Uh, so, those two quality players, Note was the SEC six man of the year, bring back Connor Vanover, Jalen Williams, two rotation players. And then, you know, Chris Likes. He's little, but he scores, boy. He he averaged 16.2 points as a sophomore, 15.4 as a junior. Only played two games last season because of an ankle injury, but, like, he gets the ball in, in the yeah. bucket. Yeah. Um. They also add Stanley uh, Amude from South Dakota. That's a 6'6 wing who averaged 21.6 points and seven rebounds last season. And then they got a transfer from Pitt, Adiz Tony, another 6'6 wing, 14.4 points. rebounds last season. So if you're trusting Arkansas to be really good again, you're just believing that these productive transfers are going to be productive at Arkansas and you're trusting and you're trusting must to, to do what he typically does, which is take these guys from different backgrounds and different places and mold them into a quality basketball team very quickly. And obviously I think he will, I've got him 10th in the country. Um, but th- there's no doubt. You know, we we talked a lot of times over the past few years about that Sweet 16 drought at Arkansas that they broke last season. You know, they uh, they had not gone since 1996. And now, you know, based on what Mus has put there, it will not be surprising if they go to the Sweet 16 in back-to-back years.
0: No, and that would actually be a wonderful story for that local fan base there. Uh, we aren't going to get a lot of um... – reasons to watch Arkansas early. The schedule just isn't that enticing overall non-conference-wise, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, glad we gave them some time here on this pod. We'll have to just see. I mean, they've got they've got K-State uh, and an MTE uh, the week of Thanksgiving, and they could play a high-profile opponent thereafter, but otherwise this is filled up with Gardner, Webb, Mercer, Penn, Central Arkansas, and the like. Inversely, Uh, Tennessee I will see in person at Mohegan Sun when they play Villanova on Saturday, November 20th in the Hall of Fame tip-off event. And how about the Vols? So before we went with our top 101 list on Wednesday, on Tuesday night, we kind of debated and didn't really do anything about whether we were going to tweak the list. And we made minor tweaks, but not too many. But now as I sit here and talk to you, Kennedy Chandler is our only player on our list. He's at 20. I'm all in on him. But... And I had Fulkerson on my personal list, John Fulkerson, who did underperform last season, but he's not there. But when you look at what Tennessee has, Fulkerson, Victor Bailey's back, Josiah Jordan, James—they bring in a really good class. I and you know, as you mentioned before, this is the team that the predictive metrics are saying slightly, 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 slightly will be the best in the SEC projection-wise. We only—we're saying only one player on this roster is top 100. We'll see. I—I just—I want to see the real. John Fulkerson, please stand up. I want to see that happen. I think Josiah Jordan-James could be a top 10 player in the league. I think there's certainly the possibility of that. Yeah, but I'm excited to see that they've got another high-level recruiting class in in there. And Tennessee remains, if you're a Vols fan, I know they've been a little bit short of what you've wanted. Rick Barnes, big picture, has done a really good job. Like, you're relevant again heading into the season. You have another really good class. You're going to have at least another NBA NBA player on this roster. And so because of that, it's just no-brainer. Like, at, at worst, Tennessee, I think, will be the fourth best team in this league.
1: I will tell you that I have them fourth on my SEC ballot. And yet when I was going through, because you know these teams, but then you go through and you really start putting it in, you know, in a file. This is what they're bringing back. This is what they're enrolling. Uh, what's a starting lineup look like? What's a what's a, a bench look like? This is the team where I was like, you know what? If I was starting from scratch, I'd have them higher. Yeah. I think they're going to be really good. You know, they they bring back four of the top seven. I think you named all the ones that matter except for Santiago Vescovi. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's four guys in Victor Bailey, Fulkerson, Vescovi, and Josiah Jordan-Jays. That's four guys who average at least 24 minutes per game and at least eight points per game. Now, they lost, you know, Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, Eve's ponds. So they they lost some serious players, but they bring back four guys who have been a part of something really good. And then they enroll two five-stars. You know, Brandon Huntley Hatfield and my little homie from Memphis, Kennedy Chandler. Um, he's going to be terrific. And by the way, that's another reason why I wanted to put JD Davison on the list. You can't have Kennedy Chandler twentieth and JD <laughs> Davison nowhere. You know, like they're yeah. like they're like one two point you know freshman point guards. Um, but I think he's going to be a terrific, just a winner, just a, a you know, wins at every. Won a Peach Jam title, won a state title, just wins. You know, uh, j- just makes his team better. You know, he's a he's he's small. Um, but, man, he can get where he wants to get to, and and he knows how to run a team. So you probably start, if you're Rick Barnes, Kennedy Chandler, who's a, you know, if he wants to be, I think, a one-and-done lottery pick point guard. You're starting with Santiago Viscovi, Victor Bailey, Josiah Jordan-James, and John Fulkerson. Then you bring Huntley Hatfield off the bench. So you got a five-star coming off your bench. And then this is the one everybody forgets about that. I think you got a chance to be really good. Justin Powell, transfer from Mm -hmm. Auburn, Yeah, and he only played 10 games last season. He, like, got a concussion, and then it just, you know, I don't know. It was weird, but, like, he just never came back. But in those 10 games, he was really, really good. You know, averaged 11.7 points, shot 44.2% from three. So you bringing a shooter like that off your bench, that's nice. I think Tennessee's going to be just as good as they were last year, especially and maybe better. Especially if Fulkerson plays the way he played at the end of the season, two seasons ago, as opposed to the way he played last season. Because I remember Rick even at the end of the season, more or less, saying that you know that Fulkerson had a disappointing season relative to his own expectations. That was certainly. I mean, I voted at John Fulkerson first uh, uh, SEC preseason Player of the Year last year. I thought he was going to be terrific. Mm-hmm. And he just he just well, he wasn't bad, but he certainly wasn't that. But if he gets back to looking something closer to that, and Kennedy Chandler is what I think he'll be, and the rest of these guys, you know, they are, you know, Victor Bailey's good, Scoby's good, Josiah said Jordan James good. That team's got a chance to be really, really, really good.
0: I think Chandler, Fulkerson, and Jordan James. I think they're gonna have three. Those guys are gonna be spread out first, second, third team, all SEC. They're
1: oh, and, and by the way, let the record show, you can you can vouch for me on this. In our Slack, when we were saying, hey, let's go through the list, is there anything we yeah. were missing? One of the things I said is, do we need more Tennessee players? Because right now we've only got Kennedy Chandler, and I, I bet you at the end of this year, if we do another list of 101, and we're not, and we're not, <laughs> but
0: if we did, yeah. we'd have more than one Tennessee I, player on. I agree. Let's get, to those, uh, let's get to those guys in Lexington here. Last season's Kentucky team had a 360 win percentage. It's the, It statistically was the worst season for Kentucky men's basketball since 1926-1927, okay? One of the worst offenses in the league, obviously, 81st overall in adjusted points per possession per Ken Palm. Now, the Kentucky vote uh, in the preseason poll doesn't surprise me, them being first, GP. They have so much there that it's... They're irresistible. I remember when we got to the end of last season and we knew that Kentucky was going to change some things about what it was doing and credit to John Calipari because he has certainly looked at the flaws that he had on that roster and and went to make changes there, made changes on his staff, the whole deal. Um, but I remember thinking like, I, this team was just so bad that I can't allow myself to project no matter almost who they bring in to have them top 20. But I walked that back because I, <laughs> Keon Brooks Jr., 10.3 points, 6.8 boards. He's a very important returning player. Davion Mintz back, uh will be, a, I think, a very important presence. I think Jacob Toppin will have breakout potential as a returning. But when you look at the transfers, Oscar Sheboy has been on campus for a good long while here. I think he is going to be ridiculous. Top 50 player in the nation this year. One of the best rebounders. Uh, could, you know, evolve into an even better, uh, you know, rim protector than he already displayed in his really good freshman season before things went, awry at wvu um yeah kellen grady three-point threat obviously proved it for years at davidson not an elite three point i think he's not elite but he can certainly give it to you in bunches and and can be streaky severe wheeler transfer from georgia who was a really good player for a bad georgia team and i don't like i he made i don't have the thing up in front of me severe wheeler was either first or second team preseason all sec and i got shibwe brooks Ty Ty Washington, who I have to get to, freshman, and I think Grady all being better in the big picture than Wheeler. The point is, there's just so much there that if you want to say Kentucky's the best team, I get it. I also want to see it happen. But I think objectively speaking, when you look at how deep this team is, there's just no argument against it. Kentucky is going to be back in the NCAA tournament. Calipari will have no excuses, barring half of the roster getting season-ending injuries. He will have no excuses, Parrish, not to get his team back into the field. I really like Ty-Ty Washington. This is one of the oldest Kentucky teams ever, basically, uh, under Cal. Might be the oldest, statistically. Um, So I don't think you're going to have a lot of overwhelming freshman presence, but I do think Ty-Ty will be the exception to that. Um, He is on our top 101 list, and I think he will be the one that winds up shining. And I don't I don't know if he'll outshine the likes of Shibwe, Brooks, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I got I've got I've got Kentucky too on, on my list. I got Bama, then Kentucky, then Tennessee, then Arkansas.
1: Severe Wheeler, for what it's worth, and did lead the SEC in assists per game last season mm-hmm. by nearly two assists per game. So um we'll we'll see how that translates to playing for a better presumably a better team at Kentucky, but um, I won't be surprised if he's a an, an all-league player. Uh, but like every guy you named, I won't be surprised if they're all-league players. I'll tell you what I like about Kentucky next. But uh, first, real quick, check this out. Visit roberthalf.com today. So I have Kentucky third in the SEC behind Arkansas and Alabama, but um, you know don't go to twist it. I, I really like this team. Again, I've got Arkansas 10, Alabama 12, Kentucky 14th in the top 25 and one. Here's what I like about this team. If you look at that disaster of a team last season, historically bad UK team, what was the problems with it? We talked about this all last season. There were three obvious glaring problems. Um, one, they were too reliant on freshmen. John has shown that you, he can win with freshmen, but he had too many. He was relying on too many of them at the same time last season. Second issue was they could not shoot at all. They shot thirty-three point six percent from three as a team, that ranked one hundred and seventy-sixth. And then the third obvious issue was they had no good point guards. Averaged nineteen point eight. I mean, that was their turnover percentage, 19.8, and that ranked 217th nationally. Well, now look what they got. You got two true point guards and at least three in your starting lineup, probably, who can handle the ball. Severe Wheeler, true point guard. Ty Washington, point guard. And Kellen Grady can't handle the ball. He, he, could, he could initiate your offense if you wanted to. That solves that problem. Uh, couldn't shoot? Well, now you got Kellen Grady who maybe isn't great, but he did shoot 38.2% from three last season. This is a guy who averaged at least 17 points per game in four straight seasons at Davidson. There was a time where people were talking about he's the best Davidson NBA prospect since Steph. He's yeah. got a chance to play in the NBA. That's cooled off a little bit, but that none of that will stop him from being a great college player. He has been a really good college player. So, oh, and then you bring C.J. Frederick off your bench. He shot 47.4% from three last season while playing 24.7 minutes per game at Iowa. So, couldn't shoot, added shooting. Uh, didn't have point guards. Now you got the, uh, a five-star projected lottery pick and the guy who led the SEC in assists per game last season. And two relying on freshmen, not this year. Four starters are going to be non-freshmen. And I know Oscar Shibway, like left West Virginia at a time where he wasn't especially impressive. But the season before, he led them in points. And rebounds per game. And that was a West Virginia team that was really, really good. 11.2 points, 9.3 rebounds per game. So if he goes back to being that, um, and you're you know, trotting out a starting lineup of Severe Wheeler, Ty Ty Washington, Kellen Grady, Keon Brooks, Oscar Shebway, that's good. You know, It's not going to be as talented as the John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins team. It won't be nearly as talented as the 2015 team. There's not multiple obvious future lottery picks on this team. But this has got a chance to be a really good college basketball team. And since we're playing college basketball, that's not the worst thing in the world.
0: That's our top four. We disagree on the order. We agree on that chunk. And then I think those are the teams that you expect to make the NCAA tournament and you expect to make it with room to spare, to stretch out there. After that, here's the order I have. I've got Auburn in the five hole, Florida at six, and then my 7-8 is flipped from my 1-358 to 358 GP because of an injury. I now have Mississippi State 7, LSU 8. I think those 8 are the ones that enter this season. Their fan bases can say, they can have a rosy outlook and say, listen, we should be targeting the NCAA tournament. I don't think the SEC is going to be an 8-bid league. Uh, I think it's got a really good chance at 6. And then you get to like set the over-under at 6.5 bids maybe. Um, I'll take the over. You'll take the over. So you're going to go seven. I think I would as well, but I would sell hard on eight. Um, Getting eight from a single league is real tough. Before we get into the quick details on each of these teams, again, I go Auburn, Gators, Mississippi State, Tigers at eight. How would you rank those four in order? Because I think – are we in the same boat? Those are your next four?
1: Yeah, and I've got Auburn five, Mississippi State six, Florida seven, LSU 8, but obviously the injury at Auburn um, with Alan Flanagan is uh, is something that perhaps I should have considered a little more, although you know, I like what else they got. you know They bring in KD Johnson from Georgia. He's averaged double figures in the SEC last season. Wendell Green, a transfer from Eastern Kentucky, who averaged 15.8 points, five assists per game last season. Five-star big Jabari Smith. And then Walker Kessler, former five-star center, who didn't do much of anything at North Carolina last season. He got caught in a numbers game there. Like, you know, nobody liked to play multiple bigs as much as Roy Williams, but like you can't play four of them. You know, they just had too many bigs and he was sort of the odd man out. He only averaged 8.8 minutes per game. But among the reasons I think he's got a chance to be the breakout player in college basketball, like, you know, most improved from freshman to sophomore year, sophomore year in terms of production he almost never played 20 minutes a game last season. Mm-hmm. But when he played at least 20 minutes, Walker Kessler averaged 18 points, 10 rebounds, 6 blocks. Small sample size. But when Is that a one-game sample size? Did you say 6 blocks? Two-game sample size. Yeah,
0: <laughs> okay, two- there we go. Six so two blocks. It
1: was like, yeah, it was like... I, he. He was blocking shots,
0: boy. You know, you were you were going about uh, 57 and a 45 there and thought you might dodge the radar, but I had to pull you over on that small game sample size. <laughs> that is absurd.
1: He, this is a fact, what I'm telling you. When he played at least 20 minutes a game in a game last season, he averaged 18 points, 10 rebounds, and six <laughs> humiliating blocks per game. Obviously, I don't think he's going to average 18, 10, and 6, but yeah. could I see 14, 8, and 2? I could see 14, 8, and 2. And if he's 14, 8 and 2, you're 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 in a you're in a most improved category.
0: For sure. He's got a chance to I gotta see it. That's all. I'm I'm a little more skeptical. I think he can be a good player. Uh we'll see. he's not gonna necessarily get caught in, as you said, like a numbers game like last year. But no, he's
1: playing. It's 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 Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith up front. Right. And that might be, that's among the most talented front courts in America. Yeah. i if we're starting to list with Drew Timmy, Chet Holmgren. Uh, that Walker-Kessler-Jabari-Smith combo
0: is, is somewhere pretty pretty close behind them. Jabari-Smith has one-and-done potential, so um, he might wind up outshining Walker. Um, and keep in mind this, Alan Flanagan, here's where Auburn has it. Jabari-Smith is 44 on our list, Kessler's six 65, Flanagan is 86, he is going to re- – he is expected to return this season. Um, it's not going to be in November, and it's not going to be before Christmas. He had an Achilles surgery uh, back at the start of September that put him out 12 to 14 months. But if he can get back to somewhere close to where he was last season, like he's one of the best returning scorers in the SEC, then I think you're going to have Auburn close to a top 30-level kind of team. Um, you also have Jalen Williams, a six eight sophomore, who comes back. So I put him I put him 5 there. I go Florida at 6. My stab at their starting 5. Uh, you have a Charleston Southern transfer, Flanders Fleming, who I think is going to be like one of the top two or three newcomers in the league. Dude can he's just a one he was a wonderful small college player who I think is ready to make an adjustment there. Um, Anthony DeRuji is back. That's, that's Flanders with a PH. That's right. One of the best names in the game. Uh, love him. Uh, love his game and I think that he's going to be a really good fit for for Mike White. Uh, Anthony Anthony is back. I would expect him to start Colin is the best player on the roster. He'll obviously start there. I think Penn State transfer Myron Jones and then you know, it might be Brandon McKissick, uh, UMKC transfer there. I don't know. Gators, I think you can safely say it'll be a top 40 team, should be in the NCAA tournament conversation there. I would put Florida ahead of Mississippi State because it's been forever since Mississippi State was relevant. Now, it's got a squad this season, or at least it should. Iverson Molinar, top three guard in the conference. And and for Mississippi State to have a player like that, as I wrote in our in my capsule in the top 101, you know, I understand that, you know, we and hardcore Mississippi State fans and maybe SEC basketball fans know who Molinar is, but most people don't know who this guy is. And he is just a great example of, like, if if you enjoy the college game, There are really super talented, high-level major conference guards that you just might not be aware of that you'd enjoy watching, and Molinar is exactly one of those players. He will be one of the best sophomore guards in the country, and he's going to be benefited this season because Garrison Brooks, whose father has been a coach on the staff of Mississippi State for more than a decade, he's transferred over from UNC and injecting him into the lineup. He's another top 100 player in the country. It gives Mississippi State its most optimistic outlook going into the season in a long, long time. Add in DJ Jeffries from Memphis. They're going to have injury issues to start. Rocket Watts is going through a hip thing. He's not going to start the season. Tolu Smith, um, the team center, who played 31 minutes a night a season ago, he's going to be out until at least Thanksgiving because of foot issues. So Mississippi State might be caught in third gear for a little bit, but I think when we look up, it's going to be in the tournament conversation. I'm not sure... I'm not, sh- for sure saying they're going to be in. They're going to be close. And then the LSU is the last team. Just real quick on them. They don't have Adam Miller. He's done for the year with a torn ACL. That happened like uh, within the past week. So that losing, I think that's going to kick LSU out of the tournament. I think they're going to be an NIT team. Uh, Darius Days is back, and he's on the back end of our top 101. You get Xavier Pinson in from Missouri. I think he'll be a plug-and-play guy. Efton Reed, five-star center, good player. I just don't think... We'll see. Will Wade for all of his critics and everything we've talked about him, he gets a ton out of his roster always. So I could wind up being wrong here, um, I, but I, I think that they're they're going to be hovering around that seven, eight, nine spot because they don't have Adam Miller, who was a transfer from Illinois.
1: I learned this in your one to three fifty eight. Uh, LSU's won thirty nine league games past three years. It's more than any other SEC team. I agree. The loss of Adam Miller hurts, but um brie Darius days add xavier pinson add efton reed the five-star center it's another nice roster it's a good enough roster to to compete for a tournament berth for will wade who at this point i'm just going to assume he's going to coach at lsu until he retires at the age of 74 um mississippi state i like you know this is year seven for ben hallen and start been to one NCAA tournament Hasn't won an NCAA tournament game. Last time he won an NCAA tournament game was 2011 at UCLA. Last time he went to the Sweet 16, 2008 at UCLA. I think both of those streaks can be snapped this year. I think this will be his best team at Mississippi State since he took the job. Um, And among the reasons is because of the enrollment of of Garrison Brooks. Who was this time last year? Preseason ACC player of the year.
0: I think he'll be better this season than he was last season. He was solid enough
1: last season. Trivia time. Who was the 2021 ACC Player of the Year? Damn you. (laughs) This just made me chuckle when I thought about it. You need a hint? Tell me when you need a hint. Hold
0: on. It wasn't anyone on Virginia. It wasn't anyone on Duke. It wasn't anyone on Carolina. It wasn't Aluma at Virginia Tech. Like... Yeah, I need I, I need a damn hint. He has a name straight from the Bible. <laughs> this is unbelievable. That's ridiculous. Okay, so, yeah. I know yeah. the answer, but I need to know if you got this question lined up at the same time that you got Moses Moody, or if just... A warm glow and big smile hit your face when you were doing this research and you thought, you know what? I can, ask this. I can ask this dude again the same question and give him the same hint.
1: Neither is true. Here's the truth. 99% of trivia times are prepared in advance. As I was talking to you about Garrison Brooks being the preseason ACC Player of the Year, and you were talking about If we didn't talk about this last season, I thought about it, and we should have. And I was like, who was the ACC Player of the Year? And I couldn't remember. And so while you were talking, I literally just Googled 2021 ACC Player of the Year. And in big letters, it popped up. Moses Wright. Georgia Moses Tech.
0: Wright from Georgia Tech, who did not play in Georgia Tech's NCAA tournament game, which it lost to Loyola Chicago on account of COVID protocols. And Moses Wright obviously went on uh, and, and pursued a pro career. He was a senior last season. but And with all due respect to Mrs. he might be the most anonymous ACC player of the year of the past 30 years. Good player. Oh, no, no,
1: no. There is one that we talked about one time
0: was on a last place, Virginia tech team and won ACC player of the year. It's outrageous. Uh, It's um, I, I'm not going to pull the name. I, uh, man, I'm not going to pull the name. This would have been like, would this have been when Seth Greenberg was there? 2013. Man, give it to me. I can't. I can't pull it. He was a co-ACC Player of the Year. His name is Eric Green. Yes, Eric Green. Because I think he was top three nationally in scoring. I'm riffing, but he was up there. Right? How much did he average a game? Do you have this? Do you have his stats right there?
1: I don't have that in front of me, but I just remember I was researching this one time, and I realized that Virginia Tech that year went four and fourteen in the ACC, finished dead last behind Clemson. You cannot be the player of the year on the dead last team. That's outrageous. The co-player of the year was on the the uh outright champion.
0: 2013? Yeah. Was it Virginia? No, Miami. Who was good on Miami that year, my man? I don't have it. His name? No. <laughs> no.
1: His father? Was a shortstop.
0: Oh, it's um. Come on now, JP. Um, played for the Cardinals. Reds. Reds. I I was picturing red. Oh man, what? I can't believe it's been that long. We're talking um. Ah ah, Larkin. Larkin. Shane Larkin. Shane Larkin. Larkin. There we go. Yes. Barry. Oh. Damn, man. How about that? I love our our random uh, forays. Uh, Eric Green, that year, 25 a game. I don't know where that was nationally, but he was way up there. He might have led the nation. That's why.
1: I don't care how many points you average a game. (laughs) If you do it for the worst team in the ACC, you cannot be ACC player of the year. Fair enough. It's ridiculous.
0: That's our top eight. It's
1: insulting. So the top eight in the SEC should be Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn, Florida, LSU, Mississippi State, in some order. We're going to get to the rest of the league next. but first. Let me tell you about Peloton. I have multiple jobs and multiple kids. So getting to the gym regularly isn't always the easiest thing to do. Making time to work out, it can be tough. But with Peloton, you can start building fitness into your routine with thousands of cardio and strength classes that take as little as 15 minutes. And do you realize – The original Peloton bike, it's now $400 less. So now's the perfect time to start building the momentum to reach your fitness goals. I'm Gary Parish, and I swear I'm a Peloton owner. I love it. And what I love is that it's always just right there. Got a spare 20 minutes, a spare hour. I can hop right on, jump into class, and be pushed by world-class instructors. Sometimes I just ride on a scenic route. Other times I go harder. The community is fabulous, and it really does push you to keep going, even when you feel like you can't keep going. You can ride to certain kinds of music, ride in classes with your favorite instructors. You can pretty much do whatever you want. It's a blast. Whether you are looking for some extra encouragement, structured workouts, or just in the mood to laugh, their instructors are there to bring out your best during each class. And yes, you can get an all-access membership, which covers your entire family for no additional cost. It really is a wonderful deal. And with an endless variety of live and on-demand cycling classes, live and on-demand strength yoga, and stretching classes off the bike, You'll keep coming back for more. Experience motivation like never before with the Peloton bike. Now, $400 less. Just go to OnePeloton.com to learn more. That's O-N-E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com. OnePeloton.com. All right, leg. we touched on the perceived top eight, although I should tell you, Jerry Palm uh, does have it as a seven-bid league, and of those eight schools we've mentioned, the one that he doesn't have making it is the Florida Gators. We'll see. So after that eight, you get Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Missouri, South Carolina, Georgia, in some order. I guess let me ask you this. Do you think any of those can surprise and become an NCAA tournament team?
0: Yes. uh, The only one that I would put any stock into doing it is Ole Miss. Now, and I'll I'll do what I've done in a couple of the previews. I'm going to go reverse order here. So I've got Caroline at the bottom. I think it's a Frank Martin hot seat situation. They bring Keyshawn Bryant back, which was good, but there's not a lot there. Um, I think you can make the case for three. You might even be able to make the case for four teams. It's weird. It's at the top. You can make the case for four teams being the best, and you really might be able to make the case for four teams being the worst uh, I would have South Carolina last uh, and then Georgia in that in that second to last spot there they have five players back from a 14 and 12 team um, there are many people who think Georgia will be the worst best returning players TJ Horn who averaged 8.5 points last season if it goes bad there I could see a coaching change at South Carolina and I could if, if Georgia's like sub 500 I could see a situation where they make a coaching change with Tom Crean has not been able to get that thing rolling Texas A&M I have near the bottom of the league this program was the most ravaged of any power conference program by COVID last season. Played only 18 games, went more than a month without playing a game, and went almost a full month without even a practice. So who the hell knows what this team is going to be? I'm going to set the bar way low. I put them outside my top 100. The team was terrible on offense last season. Buzz Williams has eight new players in. The best is probably returnee, six, 5 senior Quentin Jackson. It's a good young recruiting class. Rampage. But say it again. Rampage rampage there you go there you go um there's (laughs) wouldn't be awesome if rampage played for buzz (laughs) would that be weird but also hilarious it it would be better than weird that's all i got all i got to say about that um if we want to give him the rampage nickname i think i think we're we're clear to do that i don't know if we'll get too much too much pushback
1: what if if rampage and chuck liddell both both played for basketball for texas well well, i wouldn't have him 12th You'd I have to move them
0: up. I'd have to. I'd have no choice. Help Th- team in the league. There is no shortage of mystery uh, in the bottom half of this conference, and I think that Texas A&M is the most mysterious group of all. Those are the bottom 3. The other the fourth team I would allude to is Scotty Pippen Jr. and Vanderbilt. He is the Vanderbilt's the only team represented of the 6 we're talking about here that has a player on our top 101 list. We've got him at 35. That's going to be lower than you'll see people out there. I'm I'm a believer, but I'm not all in on him being like a top 20 player. We'll see. Uh he's he's good. I think we'll find out if he's good enough to make Vandy competitive he is fun enough to make them worth watching we'll see this team went 9 and 16 last season um we'll see if he can get to about 500 and then yes uh Ole Miss and Missouri I guess one of those two I would lean Ole Miss GP Missouri doesn't have a lot there there's just not a lot of there there in my opinion Kobe Brown Javon Pickett are back but they have three players total back on this team this team made the NCAA tournament last season. Did you know that? Trivia time, yes, no. Did you realize Missouri made the NCAA tournament last season? Oh, sure. Okay.
1: <laughs> they got off to an incredible start, got ranked, but the computer numbers were never in line with the human rankings. They were never um, – they, they could not pull a Colorado and trick the computers ever. Didn't have a shot. And um, then by the end of the year – the computers look smart.
0: <laughs> it was just a classic. Oh yeah. That's the eight, nine game. And it's already over. Like Missouri was just done. They got beat by Oklahoma and bada bing, bada boom. You're gone. um, I don't know. To me, they kind of feel like nit seven seed ceiling at best. But good news is they're border Wars back. They're going to play Kansas on December eleventh. That'll be at Kansas. Uh, but it's been almost a decade since those two programs played, and that's a really cool thing. We'll no doubt be. Well, at the very least, we'll we'll preview or pick that game once it uh, once it gets to be time there. But Ole Miss is my pick. GP. I'm not overly confident. They got a little of this, a little of that. No huge names there. Jarkil Joiner is a six one combo guard, the best guy back from a sixteen and twelve team last season. Uh, Kermit Davis, who we are both fans of and think that he can do good here. This just, the program's kind of been bobbing up and down, right? Tournament team, eh, NIT, eh, not that good at tournament team in the past five, six years. They're my most likely. So I would go Ole Miss, Mizzou, Vandy, AM, Georgia, South Carolina, in that order.
1: One of the things that I've, I've found interesting about the SEC in recent years is that I think this is the best league of coaches in the country. I mean, 14, te- 14 schools. An accomplished coach basically everywhere. Jerry Stackhouse being the standout. I mean the the exception. Like he hasn't done much at the collegiate level. You know, that, that's not that's not a shot. Yeah, it's but he'd
0: kick everyone else's ass in basketball. So whatever.
1: Yeah, but if they want to play pickup, you know <laughs> it's over.
0: <laughs> if let's if if Kermit wants to try to guard Jerry Stackhouse. I'll, can we get a can we get a Jerry Stackhouse Tom Cream one-on-one battle happening as soon as possible, please?
1: So but but Jerry like had a great reputation in the G League um, He worked with the Grizzlies, had a great reputation. So, like, I, I would, if you ask me, you know, uh, two categories, good coach, bad coach, I'd put Jerry Steckhouse in the good coach. I know, I know some people like might push back on that. I'd put him in the good coach category. It hasn't clicked yet. Here's my point this is a league that is projected to go a certain way, and that certain way has Frank Martin and Tom Crean finishing last and next to last. I mean, you look at these coaches Nate Oates, Eric Musselman, John Calipari, Rick Barnes. Bruce Pearl, Mike White, Will Wade, Ben Howland, Kermit Davis, Buzz Williams, Jerry Stackhouse, Conzo Martin, Frank Martin, Tom Crean. There's not a bad one in the bunch, but somebody's got to finish last. And a, at least five or six of them can't make the NCAA tournament every year. It, it's, it really puts some of these coaches in difficult spots. Like, this is year three for Buzz at AM. He got Virginia Tech to the NCAA tournament in year three. Probably not getting Texas A&M to the NCAA tournament in year three. I mean, he might. I'd never count him out, but it certainly doesn't project that way in the preseason. Frank Martin it's a guy who did amazing things at Kansas State and then took South Carolina to the Final Four, 2017. Hasn't been back to the NCAA tournament since.
0: His only NCAA tournament appearance
1: with the school. He's 32 and 37 in SEC games the past four seasons. He's finished 11th or worse in the SEC in five of his nine years at South Carolina, including last season when he finished 12th. And, worth noting, probably, uh, if I remember correctly, he has no buyout. If they just want to change close coaches after next season, they can change coaches after next season. So that's where that one stands. This is year four for Tom Crean at Georgia. He had Marquette in the NCAA tournament in year three, in the final four in year four. Had Indiana an in NCAA tournament in year four. He's finished 10th or worse in the SEC in each of his first three seasons at Georgia, picked to finish dead last this season. I mean, those are three big name, accomplished, really good coaches who um whose programs have either taken a bad turn or programs haven't got off the ground really yet. And that's just that's gonna be life for somebody in the SEC because. Yeah, this is a league where there, there, there really aren't any bad coaches, which means good coaches have to finish at the bottom of the league.
0: It's going to only get more problematic in about two years when Texas and Oklahoma join and you've got a 16 right. team league. And if Porter Moser can do more at Oklahoma, like what he did at Loyola Chicago and Beard's got it rolling at Texas. I mean, it just, you know, it's just going to be how it shakes out. Kind of similar to how, you know, SEC, many coaches in the SEC on the football side worth their salt. You know, you're just going to have good coaches that wind up, you know, Nowhere near the top 25 conversation at the end of the year, but we'll wait and see. But this is a bulky league, a good league, evidenced by the length of this podcast. If you've noticed, or when you downloaded and noticed, all the other league previews have been kind of floating in that 32 to 37-minute range. We're going, on, uh, we're going on 50 minutes here, but that's because there's a lot of interesting stuff here. Good teams at the top. Again, Like I think worst case scenario for this conference is six bids. If you're telling me the SEC gets to the tournament with five, I'm going to tell you something went majorly, majorly sideways and wrong. That should not be the case this year. I don't think it'll be the best league. I don't even know if it'll necessarily be the deepest league, but it's got a really quality top and a really quality middle. I just think the bottom end is where it's going to maybe drag the league down just a bit.
1: But this is where um, you could end up getting seven or eight is if – This is that's kind of like the that's kind of a perfect setup for a league. Have some national championship contenders, have some real quality in the middle, and then let the bottom stink. And everybody in the top beat up on the bottom. Like don't don't let your top eight lose to your bottom six hardly ever. That's how you end up with eight seven eight teams in the NCAA tournament. And I, I think seven. I mean. Five seems really low to me. I think it's six seems low. I think it's seven or eight. I'd go seven or eight SEC teams in the 2022 SEC tournament. I mean, NCAA tournament. 14 SEC teams in the SEC tournament.
0: I'll take your I'd, word for it. <laughs> <laughs> shouts to
1: Devin Downey, shouts to Justin, South Carolina. Shouts to Terrence Thomas, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys and guys for listening once again to the Ion College Basketball Podcast The Middle of the Dumbest pandemic of my lifetime if you're not subscribed please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts including apple Podcasts. and if you do it at apple Podcasts, please make sure to rate it and review it five stars and nice comments i promise you i read them and when they're really really super sweet they make me smile sometimes i just need to smile so go there make me smile and we'll talk to you again real soon Till then take care